coming up on Appetite for Distortion. Frank Bello from Anthrax, Dave Elfson from Megadeth. They have a brand new band, Altitudes and Attitude, with a new album, Get It Out. So they'll be talking about that in addition to Bumblefoot, Buckethead, Mr. Brownstone, and Chinese Democracy, and so much more. Plus, it's episode 100. Let's reminisce a bit. Welcome to the podcast. Do you know where you are? Do you know where you are? This is Appetite for Distortion. Welcome to the podcast, Appetite for Distortion, episode 100. It is Brando. Wait, did I say episode 100? That's pretty radical. Radical, radical. I mean, that is quite... It's rad. Yeah, it's rad brain. One of the many interviews uh, through the the first triple digits we've gone through on this uh, Guns N' Roses-esque podcast uh, together. I get messages all the time. Uh, some of them you see publicly, people post some, a lot of DMs, which is really cool, especially since they're, they're not dick pics. Why did I have to start off episode 100 like that? Uh, of just people just saying that they've been here since the first episode. Never thought I would get to a hundred. Didn't know what I thought about, uh, when, when Scotto first said, let's do a Guns N' Roses podcast. My first reaction was why, <laughs> why, who cares? You know, yeah, they're my favorite band, and not just who, who would care, but can I talk about them for that long? Well, I guess the answer is yes. Uh, we, we've grown. I've grown. <laughs> I don't want to get uh, too emotional or, or anything, but just I appreciate all of you for helping me put this monstrosity together. Just trying to put this, <laughs> this monstrosity together. Yes, Axel. Oh, Axel. Ah, the sound bites are back. But I, I really appreciate every single one of you. Um, you know, I didn't want to make a, a, too much of a big deal about the first, um, you know, like the, the first 100 episodes. I know that's kind of fun to do for like, for sitcoms, and but to me, I'm just a up and coming podcast podcaster. Yes, I've been in radio for quite a while, but this is a unique game to me. Learning a lot, especially working here at at iHeartRadio in New York City, where. You know, I was a person who worked for iHeart, who happened to have a podcast on the iHeartRadio. Hopefully soon I'll be able to say this is also an iHeartRadio podcast and have that whole vehicle behind me. But uh, I've gotten to the first 100 basically with just your help, whether you you found us. No, I I should give credit where credit is due. Uh, First, let's hear from our buddy Remco decided to send in a message. Brando. 100 episodes of Appetite for Distortion. Damn. Characters full of Guns N' Roses stories. I love it. I really, really appreciate the work you've done and you're still doing. And um, if there's any help you need, just give me a call. We'll do so. And uh, we'll make it another 100. All I kept thinking about was Axel saying, A little bit of Arnold for you. Arnold for you. I know it's a different country, but 
I'm a dumb American. What do you want? Uh, thanks. You know, Remco, one of the many listeners turned uh, cyber friend. <laughs> sounded so weird. But I mean, I, I yeah, I haven't, I, mean, I haven't gone to the Netherlands. I haven't gone to the UK to meet Ray. I haven't gone to, I never met uh, Tomislav from Croatia. Uh, I'm just naming all these countries of just people who, not just to show off my social studies skills, the, the things I barely remember from fourth grade, but from all those who, who came out uh, to, to, to tell me, you know, I like this podcast. I appreciate it. And people who don't even speak like Remco, he speaks English better than I do. But if you couldn't tell, English is not his first language. One thing for, for Guns N' Roses to have, uh, you know, international fans. Uh, but it's another, I don't want to say for me, but for this podcast to have international fans. So I really do appreciate uh, you all just coming along this podcast night train for through the first uh, 100, 100 episodes. Uh, initially, I wanted to have for, for this one, because I wasn't going to make a big deal out of it, but I saw a lot of comments from you saying, oh, you're gonna, what are you going to do for episode 100? Uh, I was planning something, which I still am. It's, gonna, it's, it's still uh, in the works, but... Uh, I've just been too eager. It's been a couple weeks since I put out the last episode. Uh, thank you so much to Bruce McKagan and, and Dallas Dwight. Uh, it happened last night that uh, the Renew Our Community event with Duff McKagan in, in York, South Carolina. Uh, Dwight said it was killer, said he spoke to Duff, you know, so many one-on-one conversations throughout the night. Didn't even talk GNR. Uh, we posted a picture of Duff looking at him on stage while they played together. I mean, what a dream come true. Uh, unbelievable, and especially for, for a great cause. Uh, but it's been a couple weeks since the last episode, so and I'm just too eager. So um, as we speak, uh, Doug Goldstein is in the air, and we were going to try to do the episode today with uh, one of the team members for User Illusion. So this was Doug Goldstein's idea. He's like, you know what, for episode 100, uh, let's do a Use Your Reunion. And initially, which still may happen as well, just get a bunch of team members, not band members, not maybe names that you recognize, but just the crew, which you know, A, they have awesome stories. They work so hard, especially during that era of GNR. So can you imagine what the stories people have that are even that they're not told yet, you know, because nobody's going to go interview, for example, a chiropractor. So today was going to be with Doug Goldstein, our second conversation, uh, second interview, rather, because we do. It's very cool that I get to talk to him uh, off the air. Um, and he's very friendly. He talks to many of you off the air, which sucks about him not having Facebook, but he's still on Twitter. Uh, Dr. Stephen Thaxton. Dr. Stephen Thaxton is a chiropractor who uh, was on the entire Use Your Illusion tour. Uh, also... Uh, he's, I think he's currently with Bon Jovi and he goes on all their tours. So what does a chiropractor have to say about living the rock and roll lifestyle? And of course, Doug with his personality, uh, but Doug's flight, I mean, if you haven't, whether, if you're in the U S you know, flights are all fucked up because of the government shutdown, which is, well, I'm not going to go off in politics. Uh, but you just can't guess where flights are, co- are, are start coming and going. So, um, but I'm just too eager. So we're going to do that. Maybe it's going to be episode 101, 102. It doesn't matter. We're going to keep going. This was a cool milestone, kind of a – it's not a tangible milestone, episode 100, but it feels good. And the fact that uh, you were looking forward to it makes me feel good as well. Uh, by the way, we did episode 99 and a half. Um, 
or I should say I did, uh, whatever, about the semantics. Uh, I did a Facebook Live. Again, you can always follow us if you aren't already, facebook.com slash the AFD show or on Twitter at the AFD show, Facebook Live, where uh, I will just tell this one quick story before and what episode 100 is going to be today. Um, why Another reason why I don't want to wait is to get out my conversation with uh, Frank Bellow from Anthrax and uh, Dave Elfson from Megadeth, who, has a br- who have a brand new band, Altitudes and Attitude. And they came to iHeartRadio uh, last week, and I came in early. I-, I wasn't working yet. My shift didn't start yet, to- and I had an opportunity to be on these, you may have heard me explain before, these morning radio tours. So I got 20 minutes with them. I was the only one in studio with them. I say that in hesitation, and you'll see, and I, 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 I kept the unedited part of the interview just to give you, I don't know, a feel for how these things operate. And I don't know. I get a kick out of seeing uh, the fourth wall breakdown. So uh, I, I don't often take, if you follow us, on, again, on social media, I don't often take pictures in this particular studio here because I don't often do interviews there, because it's just, it's the only studio here that uh, you can look through a glass. Like, I'm sure you see it on movies, and, like, you'll see the engineer, the people working the radio board on one side of the glass, and maybe, like, the producer, you know, with his arms folded, and th- through the other side of the glass is the talent, so to speak. That's what they call it. Um, so, for example, the studio I'm in now is just one big room. You know, it's a pretty big room. People can fit here. There's three mics. Uh, but there, there is another whole studio with a bunch of mics, bunch of computers and TVs, and where the the board operator is is another side with his TVs and chair and, and some of the uh, equipment or whatever. So I would have I would have gone into the studio like I did with Brian Welsh to sit down with them. That's where I did that interview. If you listen to th- that episode, but there was something wrong with one of the mics, of course. Which I don't understand because, by the way, when Ryan Seacrest, yes, that Ryan Seacrest comes here to do his radio show, he uses that studio. So you would think everything would be tip-top shape, but shit happens. So I did the interview from the other side of the glass to them. So it's just I've done a lot of radio in a lot of different ways. It was just weird to look through the glass and talk to people that are right there. I should be able to talk to them. So um, that's just the setup for – that's our, our guest for today for episode 100. I, I think it's pretty big to talk to Frank Bellow and, from Anthrax and, uh, and Dave Elfson from, from Megadeth. And, and Dave has some really cool uh, GNR stories uh, because uh, for one, Bumblefoot, uh, I made a mistake. I thought it was Buckethead or I should say their, their rep said they, they did something with Buckethead. So I ask stupid questions sometimes. When I get to that part of the interview, that's why I said Bucket. I thought it was because the the very sweet uh, PR person thought it was that. But no, Bumblefoot worked, worked on their new record or I believe played some shows recently here. Well, I know he definitely played some shows recently here in New York City with their, their new band, Attitudes, uh, Altitudes and Attitude. Um, and their PR person says everybody fucks up their name. So they say A&A a lot. <laughs> but they're a new band. I don't want to get it right. Uh, so that that is uh, coming up, but this really short story. Uh, if if you're following on on social media, uh, you may know that uh, I went to Jimmy Fallon. Uh, a, I don't know. It was today is Sunday, January 27th. Jeez. So I went um, almost a week ago on the 21st. I wanted to go see Jimmy Fallon with my girlfriend, my my friend Sean Kassoff. He works on the crew for for Fallon, and it's 
cool. He's offered me tickets before, but I usually work during that time. But I, I took off. I mean, I, I've just been working too much lately. Uh, and if you're a real GNR fan, and, which assuming you are because you're listen, listening to this, you know what the fa- uh, the connection between Jimmy Fallon and Guns N' Roses is, at least the, the glaring one. MTV has asked this next band to perform at the VMAs for like the past four years. Well, tonight, not only did they show up, they're even taking requests. I feel kind of weird introducing the, like one of my favorite bands of all time. I just wanted to say, please, uh, it, it's been great hosting the VMAs here in New York City. Uh, uh, this is the best city in the world. And uh, if, if anyone lives here, you know how powerful it is and how electric and how energetic and uh, the greatest city in the world. For those of you who don't live in New York, Welcome to the jungle. Ladies and gentlemen, good Obviously, legendary moment. So the guests were Kerry Washington from Scandal, actress, very pretty. She's doing a play here in, in the city. Uh, Jojo Siwa. Um, I know Rick Dunsford, who was on our uh, Leaker's Revenge episode, I want to say. Uh, big Guns N' Roses collector. Um he inboxed me and says he only knows because his daughters know who that is. It's some 15-year-old really hyper act, like, dancer. So that was weird. Uh, then Joe Jackson, the legendary Joe Jackson. And he was awesome, by the way. His brand his new song was very punk rock. It was really, really cool. Uh, so while Joe Jackson was getting set up, and by the way, because my friend gave you a behind-the-scenes look of the Fallon uh, Studios and the SNL Studios. Fascinating how they set these up. Uh, and this goes back to what I was talking about, the crew with User Illusion. Man, these crew members, the people that you never know, you don't know about, is just, I, what they do is just incredible. So anyway, while they were finishing setting up with uh, for Joe Jackson, Jimmy Fallon starts going up one of the aisles and says, hey, you know, while you're sitting up for Joe Jackson, um, Oh, we're sitting for Joe Jackson. Do you have any questions for me? I was going to start an impression, but I, I stopped. Uh, and again, apologies if you saw this in episode 99 and a half via uh, Facebook Live, but this is episode 100, and I want to get this, uh, I don't know, cool story out there. You never know what may happen. So Jimmy starts asking some of the fans questions, and he's coming up my aisle, and I'm in the last row, easiest uh, for handicap uh, accessibleness. That's not a word, but it's not. Uh, so he, people are asking very obvious questions questions you know what's the difference between this and snl uh who's somebody that you want to interview that you haven't already things that he gets he gets asked every day and that was confirmed to me by my friend after the show that because he complimented me on my question i'm like you know what i'm gonna ask this for the fucking podcast (laughs) i'm gonna ask this for you guys and gals of course uh or whatever you are whatever you identify as uh, anyway, I won't go into that either. Uh, so I said, do you know anything? I looked him right right at him. He looks at me, smiles, Very seems very polite, doesn't seem like an actor or anything. And I said, do you, what, what can you tell us about Guns N' Roses, about introducing Guns N' Roses at the 2002 VMAs? And his eyes lit up. He's like, oh, you, you remember that? Oh, man, that was so awesome. I guess I'm, I'm going to do the, the impersonation. That was so cool, man. He's like, weren't you there? And he points to somebody over in the – the other side of the audience, I couldn't see who it was. Uh, from my understanding, it was an MTV producer uh, from who worked on the show at that time, the VMAs in 2002, who was just there in the audience. And he's like, oh, man, he's like, only he's like, you, me, and one other person knew. And I don't know why I got into interviewer mode. 
And I was like, so what do you think of Buckethead? Did you get to talk to Buckethead? Because <laughs> I also, I remember when Jimmy's like, Buckethead did his job. Buckethead did his job. <laughs> oh, he's like, oh, man, Buckethead. And from every question, he would answer the person's question and kind of go off on a story and tell everybody there. Uh, kind of expand upon it to fill the time for Joe Jackson. And it, it was just a trip to see him. He's like, Buckethead is like. This, this awesome guy, he's like this shredder on guitar and he wears his bucket on his, on his head and he's just like, he's amazing. And he's like, we had to come up with, with code names for everybody because you couldn't, it was a secret. And he's like, it was like green, green something and he couldn't like really remember. And a lot of you remember the guns and fucking roses. So he goes to the audience, he's like, man, it, it, it's guns and roses and, and they hadn't done anything in, in, in like 10 years and I'm so excited and I wanted to, and since it's a, no, Fallon, the Tonight Show is a kind of a family show. He didn't curse, so he's going to the crowd. I wanted to say Guns and Roses, and I asked the producers, and they're like, yeah, yeah, we'll bleep it. So they knew it was coming, and he asked to say it. So then Joe Jackson went on, and uh, after the show, if you do watch Fallon, uh, the, the Tonight Show, uh, after the, the, the he says goodnight, he goes up in the crowd, and he high-fives everybody. I mean, I don't know if this is on TV. I, I don't know why I haven't watched yet, to just to check. Uh, he, when he goes over to me to give me five, he's like, thanks buddy. <laughs> so that was just really cool. And I asked that question for you guys. Uh, obviously it would be amazing to interview Jimmy Fallon. I feel like he would want to talk Guns N' Roses, but that guy works all the time. Uh, but my friend did, did, uh, give me a list of the MTV, uh, producers who were on during that, uh, that time. So I'm going to look into that. So look, slow, uh, hopefully look forward to that for, for future episodes. Anyway, maybe we'll have some stuff after. Uh, we speak to Dave Elfson and Frank Bello uh, from uh, Megadeth and Anthrax, re respectively. Uh, but together, they are altitudes and attitude. And again, this is just the the awkward introdu introduction to uh, me meeting them, going into the studio first to say hello, then going back out to the studio and look through them through, uh, through a glass to start the interview. Enjoy. Okay, guys, so this next one is... With Brandon here, he's going to yeah, talk to you on nice the mic in here. Okay. Because of the mic issue. So. Oh, you don't want to do it here? It's not working. Ah, uh, again? Yeah. yeah so, so it's going to be awkward, like you guys are in quarantine. I mean, sure. It's okay. Sure. All right. We'll just pretend you're in Ohio. Yeah. Hey, Brandon <laughs> in Ohio. Yeah, we won't even look at you. It's Brandon from New York. How are you, Brandon? <laughs> so we've got you on here twice. Is that for two yeah, different double, podcasts? Just, yeah, just a double. Yeah. Just double. Okay, cool. Yeah. This is so awkward. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. I've Pretty done metal. radio shows so many different ways. I've never done it through <laughs> through the glass. glass. I don't. I don't feel the connection I'm looking for right now. Yeah. Well, you guys are like a newborn band, so this is how you look at a newborn baby, right? Right. There, Incubator. There's the Incubator segue. right here. There you go. Uh, this is just um, phenomenal. I mean, not just one legend, two legends in studio. Dave Elfson, of course, from uh, from Megadeth, and uh, Frank Bello from from Anthrax. Uh, to, to continue the awkwardness, I feel like this is a first question on a dating show. How did you first come together? How, how did, did you first, you first meet? Yes. Yeah, because yeah. was it during the big four? Because you guys have obviously been around for a while. So how did you guys first become it, it more was, than friends? <laughs> I mean, I mean, this this musical uh, bromance, if you will, started. Um, you know, we started doing some some bass clinics uh, on the big four. And that would have been, I guess, probably 2010 and 11. Yeah. And that was where the idea came. Hey, let's expand this into something more. And, and um, you know, it's funny. Frank and I have obviously been been friends and 
you know, uh, over the years, we've done so many shows together. And especially recently, we've done a lot more tours yeah. in the last decade, you know, a lot of stuff together. Um, I always knew Frank as kind of the happy, you know, big hug, smiles and that. And, and then we got in the studio and I realized there's this other really dark side to Frank. He's got some issues. <laughs> He's got some, <laughs> this boy's got some issues. He's only all. So, uh, but it was great to hear him bring it out through his songs, through his lyrics, and his voice sits so well inside of his own narrative and the stories that he tells that uh, it inspired me to... Um, support that with him as much as we were both, you know, putting something new together. Um, you know, usually on these sessions, uh, we'd bring in uh, usually three to four songs, and Frank would usually bring in two of his own. I'd bring in one of my own, and then there'd kind of be this fourth one we'd work on together. And that was really the way the the collaborative methods just continued throughout the whole making of the album. I'd have to imagine that both of you throughout the years have been asked or thought about doing, I don't consider an outside project, it's a new band, but to do something. So what guys click and, and get together? Because um, you guys have a whole roster of friends to pick from. Sure. And, and we'll get to that on the record itself, but why you, you guys as the tag team? Number one, we get along really well. We're bass players, let's, let's put that out. Okay. Um, I, I just thought it was all meant to be like this because we obviously had our side things that we could have done. We all play with different people on the side, but... This was special. Um, I think it was all meant to be like this because I've always wanted to do something like this. Uh, whether I was going to sing or not, I thought it was important for these songs um, for me to sing just because I, I didn't want to have to funnel it through another person. Mm. You know what I mean? So I thought it was... And Dave is a great partner. And I, is, 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 he really he kind of pushes me. I think uh, it gives me a lot of confidence with what I need here to step up and do what I have to do. And uh, I think he um, he's a great partner to bounce things off of. Uh, so this all works really easily. So doing another side project with other people, I think I found per a person I could really bounce off of, you know, and it, it all makes sense. And I think it comes out in the songs, to tell you the truth. Is it difficult for you or was has it been difficult to get your lyrics out? Because it was funny when Dave said that you're kind of, I'm paraphrasing, messed up. You have things. I mean, I say that too. <laughs> you're I, right though. I have, I, I got my therapy session tomorrow. You, you know, I'm on anti-exam. We talk about that on this yeah. podcast. Hey, write a song. Health. Maybe we can collaborate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on the radio, so I have no musical talent. That's how that works. So, because I mean, Anthrax and both Megadeth, they, they have dark lyrics, heavy lyrics. What yeah. made this band different? And I... Want to preface it that this is a rock band. It's not a metal band, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And you know what? This is, it wasn't meant to be anything. We just, this is what came out. This is just honest. It's, it didn't try to be anything. This is exactly what you can't, what we came out with. And I'm, I'm very proud to say that because I don't think we wanted to try to do anything. Don't try to mm. sound like this or that guy. <clears throat> and that's why I think it has its own sound. I think it's very important. But um, I, I don't write lyrics in Anthrax. Uh, I, I write a lot of the melodies. Mm -hmm. But, um, and Scott Ian does it in Anthrax. So for me, doing what I do, this is just what I know. I'm, I'm literally taking from my gut and putting it out because I can't write who I'm not. You know what I mean? I can't. Sure. This is just what I know, and I, I'm, I'm honest with it. And it's been through a lot of therapy, <laughs> as we talked about. <laughs> but yep. this is this is like therapy for me, to be honest. And and the great thing about it, from what I'm hearing from people, is they're relating to it in their way. Yeah. And that's more important to me than anything, really, because that's I think songs do that for you. That's what music's supposed to be doing for you. How long have you been holding it in? You know, if if you if 
all these years. Well, how old am I? <laughs> well, uh, it's, you know, I'm late 39. Yeah. We're on the back nine, yeah. as yeah. I always I'm say, on the back nine. golf terms. We're yeah. on the back. We're sure. probably, what, hole 11 now? You I'll, know? Be, I'll be yeah. 26 in July. Um, <laughs> You'll good. Yeah. Thanks, you know, oil volet. Um, you know what it is, man? I, I think this was all at this time to come out like this, because always Dave and I write. That's what we write at home and stuff. Mm. But I think this was the project that I thought was important and just let it all, again, get it out and just mm. put it all out there. And it's just, this is just a, honest stuff going on here. And Dave, do you relate to the lyrics or is it something that you wanted to support too and, and maybe you didn't have as much writing because within Megadeth uh, or any, like, right. is this another opportunity for you to, I don't know, bond over lyrics and, and maybe you're not specifically writing it, but is any of your voice getting out through, Frank? Sure, sure. I mean, the, the couple of tracks, like Here Again was one of the first songs Absolutely. that I brought in and right away, Frank and I, I think it's something we, we both related to, you know, being in a relationship that it's like you, you'd sort of try to get away from or maybe change or re redirect and all of a sudden you're always, be, you find yourself back here again in the same place. Um, and, you know, out here I think was, you know... Um, you know, another song that, um, you know, that, that I, I certainly relate to. In fact, the album cover, I think, was based largely the pieces of glass, the, you know, that, that you see the shards of glass on the album cover, kind of seeing different, your different characters of who you are um, in, in those little shards of glass on that. So, I mean, there's a theme that tied through to all that. Probably the first song that Frank brought in was Booze and Cigarettes, and mm. You know, I'm a sober guy. Uh, I have been now for quite a while. So right away, three I was year, like... Three years without a drink for me. Nice. Well, congratulations. congratulations. Yep, you. congratulations. Still have yep. other issues, but at least I got rid of the alcohol. You got rid of that. Yeah, there. exactly. Good for you. Thank and, you. And, it, you know, it, so I think when Frank brought that in, I was I was kind of going, hmm, this is kind of interesting me as the, like, non-drinking guy standing on the stage singing, supporting a song about booze and cigarettes. I'm also a former smoker, so, uh, mm. you know, a past life. So I had to ask Frank about that and, and tell the story about that, of where that came well, from. Uh, pretty simple. Um, my grandmother passed now a few years back, and um, it was just, it really took it out of me just walking her to, she had cancer, lung cancer, never smoked a day in her life. Mm. Never smoked a day in her life. The best person in the world, literally the best person in the world um, for me. Um, just walking to her in the wheelchair, walking her to chemo, knowing the pain she was about to go through and knowing how she didn't want to do it. You know, why, why is this happening? I never, I never did anything wrong. I'm looking at her and I just tried to do anything. I tried to say anything out of the box to make her smile. Mm -hmm. I was just looking for a smile just to get on the way to chemo. Cause I know where we we're going. She knew where we were going. I just made just, Hey Graham, come on, come on, get some booze and cigarettes. You'll be fine. <laughs> Everything will be fine afterwards. And she did okay. laugh. And I, that's one thing for that song is very, uh, it goes deep for me because I do remember that smile. And that smile was from that line. And well, I mean, a lot of people go through this horrible thing. Um, but for me, it, it, it means a lot. It has nothing to do with booze and cigarettes. It was just to make my grandmother smile. I think this goes back to what you said before, Frank, how a lot of people are relating. And as you're speaking, yeah. I relate to that. Instead of my grandma, it was my, my grandpa. There you go. He was a pharmacist for 50 years, didn't smoke, got oral cancer. There you go. You know, and I'm wow. taking him to chemo, I took care of him. You know, yeah. moved to Brooklyn in, in with my, my grandparents. So it's it's difficult. And we make jokes. Yeah. I mean, uh, since you're a New, York, uh, New Yorker, I don't know if you're a Yankee fan or not. I am. He was an old school New York Giants fan. Awesome. So Great. I remember lying on the bed with him. We're watching the Yankees Red Sox. And he hated the Yankees because, again, cause back in the day. Sure. And he goes, for my dying wish. I'm like, oh, my God, what's he going <laughs> to fucking say? <laughs> I wish I could spit on the Yankees uniform. 
Dude, awesome. So he would do wow. that for me and help out. So, I mean, I, and I'm just one person. I, how many people can relate to that story, sadly? Yeah, sadly, but I hope it's cathartic for them. You know what I mean? I, I hope it's somehow, um, you know, makes them understand that, you know, that you can get through it. You know, and, sure. and, and that, that's one thing, because I think laughter is very important. And mm-hmm. just especially in that, in that horrible circumstance, uh, I was just looking to make her lighten her day. Hmm. And that's uh, that, hopefully that could happen in somebody's life here listening to it. Well, you know what's interesting is we're sitting at this in this building right here, and um, in 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 January. So the tell the world uh, video that we did, which was from the first round of tunes, and we we chose to include the three original songs from our EP to remix and put them on on the Get It Out LP because. Um, the original mixes live on YouTube now, of course, from years back, but we wanted everybody to experience the entire journey of what this record has been. Um, so to make those songs available, but the, uh, tell the world video we shot in January, I think in what, 2014, I believe. Freezing my balls Yeah, we came here to, uh, go on that metal show. Um, and, uh, and go up to Loudwire and do some, some press in the city. And we had this brilliant idea to shoot a video in New York in January for whatever. And it was literally <laughs> zero that day. It was. And, and yeah. we were at a park somewhere over by Chelsea or something. Tribeca. Tribeca, yeah. So we were okay. at a park and, and you know, just that's why, you know, just freezing our balls off. Yeah, hey, it's metal, shoot. man. <laughs> totally. And then ironically, this last summer we shot uh, the late video literally a block away, just right over here. Okay. We're, we're, yeah, we I was shot, just watching that. Yeah, yeah, we just shot that video. So there's a lot of history actually with A&A right, right here, here in this little circumference. I love that this we're area. doing this, this is, interview in. This is awesome here. I love it. And because um, the album is out, as we're recording this, the album is out uh, tomorrow. It is. Yes. Right? Get it out. Yep. And you're going to be going on tour. And I'm glad I spoke to your your lovely manager, Carly. I don't, I don't know. Or she, She's our publicist. Yeah. Pu- publicist yep. or mm-hmm. knower of all things. Yeah. Because uh, before you even, I heard you talking to one of the other uh, stations that you're going to be going on. I know you're doing some shows here in New York, but right. you, you're going out on tour. Right. Uh, so it, maybe you noticed my my shirt. Uh, yeah, we did notice that Guns and Roses shirt. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, this is a Guns and Roses esque podcast. <laughs> it's just something to be different than every other rock yeah. podcast. It's a good name. I like it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're gonna go places. Yeah, I I, I think so. <laughs> I think so. Uh, but we we talk about to tie everything together. Uh, we talk about therapy on that. We talked about the only uh, podcast that Buckethead did hmm. was with his, with his therapist. So is it true? Because she was just telling me that you guys just did something with Buckethead. Um, we're actually doing um, dates with Slash. Um, I heard in that. Europe. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, th- th- and that's and it, it's cool. Slash has been a, a dear friend from back in the '80s when I lived there, and I know Frank. Yeah, I'm from sure the you've '80s. Known him from over the years, but uh, um, so, but uh, you know, the only time I tried to talk to Buckethead, he didn't talk to me uh, <laughs> because that's what he does. He doesn't talk. <laughs> and it was funny. Is that actually at the Nam show? Is at the PV booth? And Bootsy Collins uh, from Parliament, who I'm a big fan of, of, of course, early Bootsy. Parliament. So yeah. it's Bootsy and Buckethead. And I think it was Bootsy's wife, was maybe his manager, was there. And I'm having this full conversation talking to Buckethead, and he's not saying anything back. And she, she finally looks at me and goes, uh, he doesn't talk. Like, that's his deal, right? And <laughs> I I'm didn't like, know that. Oh, all right, well. Carry on then. And then I just kind of moved on, you know, because wow. it was kind of a one-way conversation. Oh, okay. You know, what's interesting, though, um, Bumblefoot is actually playing guitar since we're doing this sort of appetite of all things Guns and Roses-ish. Yeah. Uh, Bumblefoot is actually playing guitar for us this week and as well as next week on Shiprocked um, while we do our A&A dates here. 
And um, I, I, I had Bumblefoot out with me doing Bass Story um, back in November. We did a, a New England uh, or yeah, New England run of Bass Story dates and got to know Ron very well. And, and actually, for the first time, heard Chinese Democracy. I had never heard the album. Okay. And got to hear Buckethead play on that album. And he's great. He's an amazing player. In fact, he's very much, I see why he was in the band. He has a very slash like quality uh to his to his playing and and i had you know gained a whole new respect for him because wow. i'd only known him as sort of the image of who he is course, i'd not yeah. heard his playing and and you know certainly had great respect for him i've so never met him play him yeah i've never met him what did you think of that because uh with megadeth it's it's yeah dave mustaine and it's a lot of musicians in and out and guns mm-hmm. and roses was the same way did you view like some people, I still view it as Megadeth, and I love the entire catalog. I still view it as GNR. I love the entire catalog. Same thing with Anthrax. Mm-hmm. I mean, good music is good music. Uh, how do you view something like that with the uh, lineup changes and you know, keeping the name? I think a lot of it is 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 as a fan, and I mean, I think Kiss goes back to the you know when 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 it started to fragment. Uh, I did not buy Dynasty. It was the first Kiss record I didn't buy. Um, it they kind of went to a different place, and of course they took the makeup off and everything else. But also there was other music that was coming out around that time that I started to get into. Boston, uh, Van Halen, uh, the, eventually the new wave of British heavy metal um, started to come in. Um, Guns N' Roses, you know, being in L.A., uh, I knew of them. They were around. They were kicking around the clubs, playing. They were working on that Appetite for Destruction record for many years, several years, Um and um, and it, I'll never forget, it was me and Dave and Jay Reynolds from Malice, who was actually uh, the guitar player in Megadeth for a short period. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't end up recording with him, but remained good friends with him. We were driving down to Lake Elsinore, where Dave's mom lived. We were going to go jet skiing. And I remember listening to KNAC when it was still a, a terrestrial station. Mm-hmm. And on came uh, Mr. Brownstone. And it was like, whoa, what is this? And I mean, that just kicked my ass. And we were just, I mean, we were immediate fans. It was so cool, everything about it. And, um, you know, then then when that album then blow up around us, um, we did Castleman Monsters Rock uh, in England in 1988 and Guns N' Roses played before us. Um, they, in fact, the, the footage, the black and white footage of the uh, Paradise City video of them flying over on the Concorde, mm-hmm was them coming over to that show because they were actually out on tour with Gun- with Aerosmith at that okay, time in right. the U.S. and they left the tour for a date to come over there. And, um, you know, we we you know there was three bands in L.A. Uh, that had similar lifestyles, let's call it. Guns N' Roses, Motley Crue, and Megadeth. <laughs> <laughs> I'll leave the rest to your imagination, That's right? Awesome. So we were, you know, we kind of had a similar, um, you know, Motley, of course, were big rock stars, but, you know, yeah. Megadeth were, you know, we were struggling coming up out of the gutters of Hollywood and L.A., and, and so were Guns N' Roses. So we kind of shared an affinity for our struggles, our lifestyle, both very bright brash, uh, forward-thinking music, um, you know, and obviously three bands from three very different genres, um, but, um, you know, you know, f- for me, here's the short answer to your, my long answer um, <laughs> to your short question. You know, for me, you know, f- you know, that band was always those guys, you know, and, and uh, you know, the next time we played with Guns N' Roses was... Um, in 1991 at Rock and Rio. Wow. And I mean, they were, it was like the Rolling Stones. I mean, they went from this scrappy little band in Hollywood and having seen them in 88 in, 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 in uh, England, um, kicking ass. But uh, then all of a sudden to see them on the stage with Rock and Rio, they played two nights there. 
Um, I mean, with the backing singers and keyboards, and I mean, it literally was like watching, you know, it was like watching the Stones or something. Yeah, it was amazing to see how big that thing had gotten. What's amazing, and I only have a, a few more seconds left with you guys, is just how long you've been doing it and the continued success and the the hunger that's coming out. It's emanating from both of you. Cool. You know, after all these years, you can easily sit back and just kick back in the anthrax and Megadeth money, but you're obviously loving it because you're still fans of the music. Well, Brandon, it's uh, it's honest. It's all all yeah. you can do is what you what you are, you, and you put it out there. And I love this. I, I think we're very fortunate to to be in these bands. I know that. We're, I don't look a gift horse in its mouth. And to, and to see the reaction to A&A and people opening their ears to it and really giving it a chance and digging it the, from the reaction we've been seeing, that means the world to us. We're really stoked right now. Well, I hope in the future I get to interview you guys because there's so much more to talk to you both sure. about. And, and, and maybe even bring in Bumblefoot because even though he was technically my first radio interview ever, you know, 10 years ago, whatever, he won't come on my podcast because it's Guns N' Roses related. Interesting. Oh, wow. Even well, now though, he's now now you can get him as a member of A and A. There you go. I, I, I said angle. I'll like I'll just talk Sons of Anarchy with you, but <laughs> yeah, there you go. I don't know. Tangle that. Yeah. You can use. I'm giving you my Jewish guilt to gift him. <laughs> so thank you. Just another wonderful experience that I've been given because of all of you that have listened. Uh, if if no one listened to this podcast, if it was the same five or ten people, uh, even though that would be you know I'd appreciate I appreciate every single person. But if it was just a handful of people that listened to me, I wouldn't have opportunities like this. Uh, yeah, I, I, I probably could have just taken my picture with those guys. But the chance to interview them is is thanks to you. You know, and, and uh, I, I for episode 100, you know, of course, uh, I appreciate and thanks Gatto. He's still my friend. Uh, he's still super busy on uh, the SoFret podcast and... Uh, I think he, he refers to himself as a gym bro now. <laughs> I don't know. I'm sure we'll, we'll have Scott o on again in the future just to say what's up. Um, you know, and I've offered him certain uh, interview opportunities, but it just the timing didn't work out. And that was just why he just couldn't do it anymore. He still enjoyed doing it. I want to thank, uh, you know, other people who've contributed to the first 100. Uh, John Miller, uh, Art Tavana, Doug Goldstein. You know, he, he has these last few episodes has given me a, a lot of traction. Going forward, uh, Alan Niven, you know, I spoke to him uh, yesterday, actually, and we had a, a nice conversation about depression <laughs> because Alan, he doesn't go on Mitch LaFon's podcast to talk about Guns N' Roses. He doesn't want to. He just like that was a part of his life. And if it comes up, great. But that's not his focus. So he, which I appreciate many of you do, he appreciates what I do. Which is, yeah, we'll talk about Guns N' Roses, but, and we kind of go off and we make it work. You know that. Our six degrees of GNR bacon. So we were talking about depression because he uh, told me that he went into a pretty deep one after his time in Guns N' Roses. And as of, as you know, I, I've spoken very openly about it. It's taken me a while to spoke, uh, spoke, uh, speak openly about it. But uh, whenever we've gotten in the, on the subject of West Arkeen with James Hunting, like anything with Guns N' Roses, of course, everything that they've gone through, you know, all these guys, every single one of them, maybe Steven's the most obvious, you know, whether it's drugs and depression, but you know Duff has turned his life around. Look what Slash is doing. I mean, you see on stage how happy Axel uh, is now. I mean, these all all of these guys, you know, it, it, it's fascinating. And that's what, I guess, to, to bookend it nicely, one of the reasons why I got first 
into Guns N' Roses and why they're my favorite band and why I've done so far uh, 100 episodes on them. It's something in the lyrics. It's something in the anger. It's something in the the energy. It's just different than every single band before and after for me. Are there similarities? Are there other plenty of other bands I like? Of course. But there's something that really, really uh, just connects with me with this band. So, you know, Alan and I had a nice conversation. And maybe he'll come on again in the future, perhaps. A lot of ways we can go. It's going to be... Uh, real fun, What's what we're going to come across, who we're going to talk to, what we're going to come up with as we keep going on this podcast night train. So there are just too many to thank, really. I mean, I try to talk to so many of you individually, so hope uh, hopefully I can show my appreciation uh, that way, even though I may have forgotten to shot you out on uh, episode 100, so my apologies. But, of course, I want to mention that you could find Appetite for Distortion on the iHeartRadio app, on Spreaker, on Stitcher, on Google Play, on SoundCloud, on iTunes, on YouTube. Uh, first five, 55 episodes are up there, uh, thanks to Mr. Raz Q. Well, he'll be coming on again. Um, and, and much thank you to AlternativeNation.net. Uh, some of you I know won't want to hear that, but they've uh, Brett has helped me tremendously uh, with exposure and has been nothing but nice to me. So uh, thank you to AlternativeNation.net. So as far as episode 101 of the AFD show, when will you see it? In the words of Axel Rose concerning Chinese democracy, you'll see it. I don't know if soon is the word. Security, I'm going home.